0: and then literally killing a family member. That was a really fraught thing to take on.
1: We talked about that in the room for a week or more. I barely slept for two weeks.
2: You're listening to Skip Intro with me, Krista Smith. Since its launch in 2017, Ozark has grown a staggering fan base thanks to its gripping portrayal of the birds, an average American family who just happens to be laundering money for a Mexican drug cartel in central Missouri. This past January, Ozark, season four, part one, rose to the number one spot on Netflix, quickly racking up over 77 million views. And after much anticipation, the final installment of Ozark is here, marking the end of this flagship series. So get ready to see what awaits the birds and the rest of those that inhabit their Ozark universe. Today, I'm here with lead actor, director, and producer Jason Bateman, and showrunner and writer Chris Mundy, to dig deep into the grand finale of the show. There will be spoilers, with a capital S, so be sure to catch up on the final season of Ozark before proceeding any further. You've been warned. Chris Mundy, Jason Bateman. First of all, congratulations. So great to see you. Good morning. Thanks for having us. I'm very excited to have the two of you on the show. I could not have been more satisfied... With season four, it was like a good steak with a baked potato and a really dry martini. It was so <laughs> effing good. I actually got emotional. And I I just have to say kudos to you. I'm just going to go right back to the beginning. Did you guys, when you met, and I and I wanted you just to take our listeners from that moment you met and you realized, like, okay, you're Marty Bird. You're 100% in. Chris, you're going to be the showrunner on this. Did you have any idea that you would end up here end of season four seasons, all of these awards, all of the chatter, all of it? Well, Chris, you go. I usually answer
0: this question. You go.
2: The funny thing about our first meeting.
1: So our daughters, one of each of our daughters are in school together. So they were third graders together at the time, but we didn't know each other at all. I basically said. And they they had
0: this and they had been typical marriage, you know, always cutting the other person off. They were classmates from kindergarten. Yeah. Forward. So the, yeah. so, so now so they're in third grade. So go they're ahead, third, honey.
1: Third, third, third grade. <laughs> they're in third grade. And I've sort of like met with a bunch of people on it and like everything, but I Jason and I hadn't met. I'm like, someone needs to tell him that I'm gonna be a vase he recognizes every day from drop off at school, because we drop our kids off at school. And like our kids' school goes to 12th grade. So if this doesn't work, we are stuck with each other like forever. I remember we were supposed to meet on a Thursday and I'm in the third grade class and all of a sudden I get a tap at my on my shoulder and it's Jason. And we ended up sitting, like school started and we sat out in the like little courtyard, playground area for like an hour talking and then had our meeting, the official meeting the next day. I felt pretty quickly like we were going to get along. And then in the making of it, I think pretty early on, like once we started filming, Maybe even before. Maybe even like once Laura signed on, there were just little things. Once you had an idea of how good Julia was, there's this. You never know because so many things have to go right for anything to be any good. But like, you just kept thinking that we could maybe. It could maybe be really good. We were just hoping, you know what I mean? Like, but you're you're afraid to speak it out loud.
0: Yeah, I'd be, yeah, because as you're saying, you can you can kind of have the goods, but if there isn't harmony. You know, you can just start the stopwatch on it all crashing down because you just can't have one without the other. You know, I can make a bad sports analogy, but I think you kind of fill in the blanks. You know, it's just been, uh, you know, a a really great, great experience start to finish. Uh, Just no exaggeration.
2: Now, both of you, like, so for our listener, showrunner, you're you're running the writer's room, so you're involved in every single one of these plot points, making sure it's believable and authentic and all of this. You're the first one there and the last one there. Jason, you being Jason, Marty Bird, obviously, and directed a lot of these episodes during the season, and we're going to talk about the last episode that you directed in this season four. But you're also the executive producer, so I imagine you see every bit of... Film, edit, cut, cue. Is that accurate to say with the two of you? Like you really truly are probably see each other more than your spouses during the shooting of this show? Yeah,
1: I mean, you know, Jason, Jason had to be away from his family a lot more than I had to be away from my family because he's physically has to be in Atlanta for every second we're filming. But we're talking, certainly talking all the time and we're the last two voices in the editing room. Together, do you know what I mean whether or not we're physically together or not? So, yeah, they we're sort of in lockstep that whole <laughs> that whole time.
0: And one of the things I think Chris and I are most proud of, and I know I speak for him because we've talked about this a bunch, um, you know, our ability to share duties and delegate and trust and compromise. And it's just a really, really difficult thing to do. You, everybody can talk about it, but when you get right down to it it you know there are a thousand opportunities to disagree and it's a choice to agree it's a choice to find compromise and And I don't mean to imply that it's a, that it was a challenge for us to compromise. It wasn't. We happen to share the same basic taste. His version of what is good is very similar to what my version is in good in casting day players or, you know, sounds of, of score, music, editorial pace, all that stuff. He likes the same stuff I do. So, Nine times out of 10, we agreed on everything. The one time out of 10, when we would have a disagreement about something, we just said very early on, listen, if you care more about it going this way than I care about it going that way, then you win. Like, it's just real simple common sense. And so we just managed to maintain that. I'm kind
1: of amazed. Like, we we really, too, did truly stick to it. Like, when each of us would invoke it occasionally, and the other one was just like, okay. That's the rule and we'd do it. And it was like, it's kind of, I know it sounds simple, but it, like as Jason was saying, it's not It's not so simple and yet we did it. So that, I'm, I'm, I'm proud of a bunch of things of the show just because it was a really fun experience. But like, but that's definitely one of them.
0: I hate the idea of going forward into my career thinking, how, how, can, how can I ever have a, a, a relationship, a creative relationship with this much synergy again? you know and this much harmony it's it it it'll, it'll be it'll be difficult it'll, it's going to be a letdown <laughs>
2: Let's talk about the show, actual the nitty gritty, specifically for you, Jason. I mean, Marty Bird, like how that character evolved. He's like kind of the voice of sanity through all the chaos that's happening. And I want to talk about one specific episode where we saw Marty completely lose it. But I'll get to that in another beat here. I want you just to kind of answer, like, how did you, Jason, actor, evolve through Marty Bird over the course of these four seasons, which is basically like, I don't know, a 900 minute movie. I mean, if you think about how long these episodes are, how many of them are, you spent a lot of time with Marty Bird is what I'm really trying to say. So,
0: (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I mean, I hope this is a short answer. Marty starts pretty arrogant and has got a lot of hubris as far as what he thinks he can handle and and, and the, the number of answers that he has. Uh, and, and then I think throughout the course of the show, he uh, starts to become more and more confident or clear in exactly how smart he is and how smart he isn't and just starts to own that and, and how good a parent he is, how bad a parent he is, how, how good a husband he is, uh, how bad a husband he is. And he just decides to kind of just admit who he is and who he isn't be comfortable in his skin and then make decisions based on that, as opposed to whatever sort of veneer or artifice he was practiced at when we first started the show. And that was a fun thing to play because there's a strength in that. And as Marty became a little bit more sort of passive and deferential to his wife, as far as the, the, the partnership goes in this criminal venture with that deference, with that, sense of passiveness he actually became stronger and more peaceful and that was a great counterbalance to kind of the fuel that wendy was burning and now i don't know how much of this was was deliberate on on chris and his great staff and how much of it was just kind of the way i ended up kind of pushing and pulling the character, how much Wendy or Laura was pushing and pulling her character and and the writing staff's ability to adapt to that. And yes, and that. I don't know. That's kind of the fun of a series, an ongoing thing. But that's that was kind of my experience with it.
2: Was there any one moment where you didn't root for Marty Bird?
0: Yeah, for sure. He made a bunch of decisions that I wouldn't make as a viewer or as a person. But then it was fun to kind of internally figure out well why is he making that bad decision is it because he's hateful, or is it because he's ignorant or is it because he's wounded or all those things so you try to find some kind of explanation not a justification but an explanation and it lets you play it in a way that hopefully you know garners a little bit of, of empathy or understanding as you know someone is doing something bad. It's like falling in love with a mass murderer on a movie or television. That, that's an interesting experience for an audience. Mm.
2: Okay. So the episode I'm talking about, I think actually Laura Linney directed it. You're in the car. It's a pound of flesh yeah. and still kicking.
0: Okay. Yeah. That's 11, right? Chris. Yeah. 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 All right. yeah. So yeah, yeah. She just did does such an incredible job. Like
1: Laura killed it. Like she killed first thing she's ever directed. And she just killed it.
2: And, it's one of my favorite episodes because I believe that the for for me as a viewer and as someone that's been on this from the beginning and a giant Jason Bateman fan, I love seeing you like ev- personally just evolve and just play Marty Bird. It was just it's perfection, but. Right. You have to buy into the marriage. You have to buy into these two core people or else you're not really buying into the show, right? This marriage, this family, and then by Ruth, this kind of extended family. And that scene where you're stuck in traffic, you keep turning up the music a little bit louder, like just in any, like, I'm not in the mood, I'm not in the mood. And then we, for the first time, really, I felt like I saw Marty lose it. Here's a clip for our listeners. will still be in control. You, shutting me out, is up that up it? Me, cute. Very, very so cute. Very, see, very mature. The song sucks, by the way. I oh, for God's sake, this fucking asshole. I don't know where you want me to go. Where am I supposed to go?
0: Should I just turn, Wendy? Where into into that car or into that one? You know, how about I go up? How's that sound? I
2: don't know how you thought this could be a
1: shortcut.
2: All right, that'll do it. Marty, Marty, you asshole! Marty, get out of
0: your fucking car and come tell me what the problem is. Marty, Wendy, what are you doing? For once in your life, listen to me and get back inside.
2: Get out of the car! what, What are you gonna do? You gonna punch the guy? And it was so shocking and exciting at the same time. And then Laura's involved in the fight. So it's just so great to see one Marty really throw punches, right? Throw punches and scream for the first time and just have such vitriol about the littlest thing. Right. And the way Laura shot it, that the comedy of it as well, of these two middle aged people trying to have a fight in the minivan versus minivan, all of it. So I just want to. How was it, Chris, just to write that, to have that moment where this is the place of all the times? This is the place where Marty's going to go postal, as they say. We
1: literally did like we wanted him to be trapped. And just that so he's trapped in his life and his head. And so we wanted to physically be trapped. I love there's a lot of line when she's like, well, just turn. And he's like, right, like left, right. why don't I go up? Why don't I go up? And it's so funny. Um, it's funny, like when, you you know, you do something called a tone meeting with scripts. And so like you sit with the director and talk, or I would talk like about the intention of the scenes with me. And, and when she went through that, that script to direct it, she would like, she would go tick there were places where the bomb of marty was going off and then boom was for the for the fight and she wanted to make sure she built it you know for the thing it's funny when when we both when jason and i saw that first cut we texted each other to say how great laura's job was but like that whole thing is when the show is good it's like it feels real but it's funny it uses music it's violent it's like the relationship in it, it's kind of a, a sweet spot for us that every once in a while we are uh, hopefully, knock on wood, able to pull off. Like, it's one of my favorite things from the whole season, if not the show.
2: I would agree. and for- Yeah, for sure. There, it, it, all,
0: it all, as you say, Chris, it all does come together there when we're doing what we do in a really great way. It's when every single department is, you know, out of 10. You know, it's 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 writing it's acting it's photography it's music it's editing it's all of these things kind of creating this one meal that's just fun you know even though there might be some uncomfortable parts to it
2: yeah and it feels like in that moment to me like Wendy Byrd never loved her husband more in a weird way. It felt like after that moment and then the next you know episode we know that they're being they were arrested, the kids have to come and bail them out. It's like at that moment we're in for the ride because they are now united and this is like gonna take us through to the end. So for both of you, is there any moment where you thought that Marty and Wendy might not survive when you're thinking about this last season and you know it's going to be broken up into two parts? where What was the conversation around how do we end this in a way like that I already said earlier was deeply satisfying? Like, How much dialogue went around who who survives, who doesn't, what's inevitable, and how much did you know about that before you even started shooting season four?
1: We talked about it endlessly, obviously. In the writers' room, what was interesting to me in the writers' room was the level of disagreement and fighting over, like, how much the birds should be punished or not punished. I never really thought about it from that perspective. Do you know what I mean? To me, there are characters. I wasn't thinking, I, I don't judge them exactly I let, I let them be I let them do terrible things in my head do you know what I mean but like there were real cases to be made of like no they need to be shit needs to come down on their head you know or they need to not live or they need to like you know so we talked about it and en- endlessly so when the decision on the finale came we talked about that in the room for a week or more and then I was like we can't talk about this again I just need to think, and I didn't sleep. And this sounds like one of those things you say, it's really not like I barely slept for two weeks. I would wake up at like three thirty four in the morning at this feeling of like, you're supposed to take care of these people and you're not, it was really, 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 really hard. I think it was right, but it was, but it was, it was hard. So we, we, we all, we all talked about it a, a, a lot.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, Interesting, too, that I love about this series is the way, you know, sometimes the most violent and complicated characters are the women. You know, obviously you had Helen played brilliantly by Janet McTeer in the previous seasons. And here you obviously Laura Linney takes on a whole other level of depth. Let's just put it that way. And you introduce Navarro's sister, Camilla, and we it's very unexpected. You're like, OK, you know something's coming because no one is just an extra. <laughs> she keeps appearing. <laughs> you're like, all right, what's going to happen with her and the way it's woven in? And, and again, it's the female, you know, these these really strong female characters. So I will just say thank you for that. I love seeing that in, in this show. And normally a, a world dominated by men. It was great to see women having all of that to chew on and do. It was it was great. But let's get to the final episode. And Jason, you directed this. This could be a standalone film in and of itself. You know Dread is coming. You know something's coming. And you just don't know where it's going to be coming from with all the parts. You know, you've got the FBI agent. You've got the, you know, the other... Private Dick chasing you guys down relentless. You have, like, Ruth trying to make good. All of this stuff. We're all just, we're so close, as Wendy always says. We're so close. And the way it ended, (laughs) I, I mean, what was that like, Jason? Knowing you're directing the last episode of this, like, gargantuan piece of fucking content and property. And that you were going to be killing Ruth, who to me, I mean, Julia Garner stands alone and on a shelf of her own of just like breakout performer out of nowhere. And how did we ever live without her? So kudos to casting her in the first place. But back to you, Jason.
0: The first thought that came to mind and really the dominant thought still today is just wanting to direct that final episode just to kind of So that we can all do it together you know kind of starting that way and finishing that way and just kind of like a big a big group creative hug all the way through it and that's really the way it felt with all of the the big moments that chris so beautifully tied up there in that final episode these these were a lot of really group decisions because you wouldn't want to do any of these big these big moments unilaterally it's a big family episode it is a lot of family repercussions Uh, there's a lot of family effort going into making it etc etc so that was really satisfying the way that we all continue from again from beginning to end worked really well as a family to do all that stuff and then literally killing a family member that was a really fraught thing to take on i'm sure from a writing standpoint i mean just even just breaking the idea of doing that chris i i know was 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 a big a big thing to to take on and and then the thought of well how to do it you know do you do it kind of you'd rip the band-aid off real fast or do you spend the kind of time killing off a character like that that is equal to their effect and importance to the show and uh, you know there were there there was that as well and we went back and forth on that quite a bit like you know to to very specific detail and ultimately landed on on what we did and i'm really glad that we did because there's a danger when you do when you when you shoot a film or a television show to 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 really treat everything in a very a la carte type of you know, manner, um, you know, one minute on screen time could take, could take you a week to shoot that one minute and you have to keep the perspective on it really is only taking a minute. So we need not, you know, choke the puppy, you know, for every day of this week long shoot to, or this, this story point, it's just so much really sure what my point is here, except to say that it took some discipline to, to treat each one of those moments in that episode as, as a whole as well uh, for the whole episode and then how it affects the whole show. So Chris was really helpful to me in helping me decide how to calibrate each one of those moments from, from a directing standpoint.
2: Well, those moments were huge when both Wendy and Marty know as soon as Claire says that, you realize like she's she's the weakest link. Here's the moment I'm referring to. If you know something about the day my son died, but you haven't told me,
0: I will forgive you, this one time. If I find out later that there's something you aren't telling me now, well,
2: I'll have someone slice you from your cunt to your chin. it was Ruth Langmore
0: the girl here in the casino
2: Javi killed her cousin she followed him to my office and she shot him I'm sorry I didn't know what to do I had my I had my head of security take care of the body I am so sorry did you know I didn't tell anyone of course not I was, I was sure I would be killed. And that, when she said it, the look on your face, like on the Wendy Marty, you know, you guys should get an Oscar. I'm just saying. I mean, I know this is television.
0: It was incredible. (laughs) The, the, The first Oscar ever given to a television show. We're gonna do it.
2: I'm all down for it. But that look of dread, we, you know, the audience had that look of dread, too. And what was so kind of deeply satisfying was to see how Wendy was already trying to think of a way to save Ruth, even though we've known they've gone at each other this whole time. That to me was like, oh, even in all of this, you know, complexity, she understands the, the pieces of the puzzle. And To get to that scene in the car and when she comes out and the one thing that Ruth, again, another Oscar worthy performance when she says to her, who told you? And when she hears Claire, you see on her face for me that it was she understands she wasn't betrayed. It was her own doing that got her here.
0: How'd you find out? Claire Shaw told me. I'm not sorry, your son was a murdering bitch, and now I
2: know where he got it from. Oh, I'm so, I'm so glad it. that comes through. She owns it. Like, I love that. Like, she realizes, oh, it's not them. Everything is kind of semi-okay in my world. And that she doesn't, she's Ruth until the bitter end. She ends on Ruth, which I thought was just such a great choice and beautifully directed. And that scene was incredible. And it was the right amount of time. I don't know if it took you two weeks to shoot that. 30 seconds on her face when she's like, are we going to do this or what? Cause you think as an audience member, Oh, maybe, you know, game scene game, maybe she isn't going to kill her. Maybe she realizes, wow, maybe I can use this person. I don't even know. And then Ruth is just like, I loved it. Oh, I loved it. Yeah. No,
0: Chris, Chris. Yeah. you, t- t- Chris was really great about how, you know, if, if we are going to kill this character, we need to make sure that this character is going out on their own terms, and that informed a lot of the writing, the performance, the the photography of it.
1: Yeah, I'm 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 I was always hoping that like in a weird way that character would live forever more by like that kind of death than because obviously she's the person that everyone cares about the most on the show. Like you could be divided about what the birds are doing, but like the birds swept in and like you know, did this to the Langmore family, so you uh, you know, and that was also literally the last thing we shot the last day of shooting we had this crazy day where we shot the birds post car crash and it was a million degrees on the side of a road and you wrapped and it was really emotional it was about eight o'clock at night and we felt like the show ended and there were hugs and tears and we all like talked and then because there'd been flooding down in Atlanta we lost our location and we had to pack up trucks and drive 80 miles to the Langmore trailers to film that end, and it had gone from like you were hot and sweaty to like it was cold and by the water at at night, and we wrapped it about six in the morning. So like, all of it is just it was a really emotional hard day <laughs> on like, on every front, just like physically shooting, emotional, um, you know. And I think uh, I think that plays in on on Julia too in a way. Do you know what I mean? There's like a there's like a resignation, you know, that I think is 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 really great.
2: Uh, yeah. and she's in white uh, I mean come on I it know was, she looks like an old time
1: movie uh, she's like a free movie star you know I know uh,
2: all right so, so uh. yeah well, so that literally was did I hear correctly the last shot of the whole series was that shot you wow
0: I think it was right yeah uh, no it
1: definitely yeah. it definitely was and
2: what yeah. was that like like that moment when she
0: it, it was it, you know it was obviously it was was emotional and everything but as Chris said it was 6 in the morning and no one wanted to stick around and fucking you know party or hug or cry or review or process everyone wanted to Because we still had a 45 minute drive home to get to, you know, where everyone lives down in Atlanta. And and the crew had to pack up the trucks and all that stuff. So a lot of the hugs and kisses were at the the wrap party the next day. Mm.
2: (laughs) All right. Before I get to the final end, I want to talk about the decision to show how Ben died. Because you know there's a whole thing on the internet he didn't really die, he's still coming back, you know everyone had a lot of affection. It was brilliantly played, obviously. what was it that made you feel like you needed to show his end?
1: Some of it was the, the very thing you said like there like we knew that people had some kind of theory like you didn't see the body it's like a soap opera I didn't see the body, so you know he's he's coming back. Some of it was I think it would have been exploitive if we'd if we'd seen it in in episode nine of season three and and i I wouldn't know I just emotionally didn't want it. I wanted it to all be like where it landed on Wendy in, 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 that, in that thing. I thought that we had space from it so you could experience it now. And then another part of it, as as, as we started fin- finishing writing the end of the show, we were writing for the end for these characters, but in a strange way, we were writing like the, for the end of all of us as a group. Bringing Tom back felt right because we wanted to bring Tom back and be among us. And you know, I really love the scene in the finale where Ruth sees all sees her dad and her uncles who are and Wyatt, who are all gone. I think it just it's, in a weird way, I think it softens the blow of when she's going to die later. But also it was a way to bring those people back. Like for season one, we sat around having drinks and playing guitar a lot at the hotel where we all would stay. And uh, Mark Manchaka would play that. And that was one of the songs that I knew Mark played really well. So it's like both about the show, but about all the making of it. So at a certain point, it was it's a combination of serving the story and all of us like kind of holding hands to the end.
2: Jason, how I mean, it's Julia's talked about how it's incredible that her first real huge grown up job is on Ozark. And, you know, she's told me this many times, like working with you and Lauren, everyone is just in the best experience of her Short career, really. And, and like you said, you're going to have a hard time moving on from that, I'm sure, for her, who has like so much runway ahead of her. How important is that relationship for you, Been both personally and also director to actor doing that scene and then just Marty to Ruth?
0: It's impossible not to single her out. And it's also impossible to single her out because, you know, everybody contributed to make this place a really great place. Place to work, and that's again, that's a choice. And she is as responsible for that place being a good experience for her as as any anyone else is. She she could have chosen to not be as cooperative, not be as sunny, not be as kind, not be as friend. I mean, everybody has an opportunity to bring their best self or their medium self to work. And early on, everybody recognized that this this is a bunch of people that they really liked and cared about being liked. And so, uh, you know, that allowed us all to work really well together, whether we were acting together or director, actor, actor, director, cameraman, you know, sound, anybody. I'm I'm thrilled that she had as much fun working with all of us as we had with her. I hope and pray that she can find uh, an environment as great as this one to work in, just as much as I'm crossing all my fingers and toes that I can as well. But the truth is, and I, you know, I can say this to you too, Krista, or anyone else that's watching or listening, that everybody has an opportunity to to affect an environment that they work in. You know, some have the privilege of being in a, a bit more of a technically effective position to do that, but you can you can be low man on the totem pole and be a real disruptive force or a real positive force. So it really doesn't matter about what position you hold. Everybody's there and everybody um, can affect it. And 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 so I, I think hopefully that's one thing that we'll all take from this experience aside from all the obvious pluses that that we all received from from the product and, and the career opportunity. But but just the knowledge that if you really like the people you work with and you like what you're doing, you can you can perpetuate that. And it can allow, we could have done this another four years and still had a great time. I thank her for that and thank everyone for contributing to that. And Chris is an enormous part of that, as was Laura and Netflix. And it was, it was fantastic. I could start all over again. Hmm.
2: I know it's sad to have it go, but, but I have to say that the one other point for you, Chris is the, I remember, I think it was the end of season one, Jonah with the gun and the whole thing about the gun, and he's this little kid with this giant shotgun, and then they, is he gonna, is he not? But he's willing to. And all the great teenage angst that was woven into this the this final season of the kids, and the kids are terrific on their own, and watching them grow up on this show. To end on that moment with Jonah again in the shotgun and the goat, it's just, it's <laughs> such twisted brilliance. <laughs> and the fact that also... Not showing just the the cut to black, and then the noise. Does was there any debate about like, or was it always you always knew Jonah was going to end on that moment, and it was going to be his, and that you were we were not going to see it, we were only going to hear it.
1: That was the way it was scripted and kind of imagined from from the beginning, and it, and and it was purposely a bit of a callback to that season one thing. We toyed with different versions of of practically what happens at the very end, but they were but but in but in in their way it was always we never wanted to see Mel. It would have been too much to see the, the see the manifestation of the violence at the very end. We wanted it to be like like holy shit, almost like a cheer, and then like wait, what am I cheering for? Like wait, that's like do you know what I mean? And so striking that balance, is something Jason and I talked about endlessly. Like how to strike that balance and what does it best. And um, that was, it was, it was a tricky calibration for sure.
2: Mm, It was great. Just that black and then the noise. It was a great way to end and I'm sorry it has to end, but I get, I'm sure you guys in some way are, are ready to move on to the next thing. And this season on the podcast, I always ask my guests, everyone the same question and it varies season to season. And this year I'm talking about ambition, What's your relationship with ambition these days? And part of it is like coming out of a global pandemic, even though I know you were, had to work through it all. That was ser- certainly more challenging than not. But both of you are, you know, have achieved so much already. How is your relationship with ambition these days? And and Jason, I'll start with you. Well,
0: uh... I don't think I'm different from anyone else, in that I think there's just a basic human instinct to put to work that which you learn, and sometimes that's uh, learning a skill, sometimes that's learning an, an emotional place that you can get to, that you can handle, that you can understand, and then and then having the balls to build on that or see if there is uh, another step that that you can get to and i hope i never get to a place where it's like Oh, that's far enough. You know, I, I feel like I'm—I've grown enough as a person, or grown enough as uh, you know, a worker, or grown enough as a husband, or whatever it is. I feel like somebody else makes that decision, and that's usually the person who throws the light switch at the end. So, until that's thrown for me, I think my job is to continue to have the 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 spine to keep pushing forward and seeing. Where it all stops, and hopefully you're just surrounded by people that you love and you trust to catch you as you bang against the walls on the way there yeah
1: my my answer is pretty similar i i don't I'm not particularly ambitious when it comes to like money or accolades or whatever. I don't really care, and maybe I should care more. I want to get the chance to do good work, and even if you get the chance to do good work you you don't always do it. Some things, you know, you're not as good as you were last time or all the pieces didn't come together. But, you know, one of the nice things about Ozark is like we were kind of in that conversation right away. And so then it's a challenge just to yourself to like, hopefully live up to it and then, and hopefully create an environment I know we've talked about it a lot, but it's really the most important, the legacy of the show to me is it was a really good place for a lot of people to come to work. I hope, you know, And so, um, so for me, it's that it's like, my ambition is like, Oh wait, something that I thought was good that came out the way we meant it to come out. People actually seem to like, like, that's great. Like I want to try to create that again. And, you know, you don't know how many more of these you're going to do. So you just like, it's like, it takes some work to create an environment, you know? So to me, it's like doubling down on that, like taking what we learned and, and, and like trying to get to get to do it again, just as a process. I don't really care outside of the process. I don't really care. But to create the process again would be very cool.
2: Hmm. Chris, what, what advice do you have for all those journalists out there that want a career in Hollywood?
1: You know, they're weirdly equatable skills. I mean, you know, when you're doing journalism, you're trying to like, dive into something as deeply as possible and then show it inside out rather than tell. Um, and you know how to hit a deadline, (laughs) you know, there's like, so to me, it's finding things that think about story, the way you think about, think about fiction, the way you think about a journalistic story, like, and, and, and research it just in your own brain in terms of like, who are these characters in here? Like, do you know what I mean? Like imagine doing the reporting only you're doing it about fictional characters. If you do that and it's something you know, you'll write something good. And if you write something good, you'll break in. I really think so.
2: All right. And for all the fans out there, do you think that there's another world where you guys create something else again together, maybe?
0: Oh, yes, please. I I wouldn't say no. (laughs)
1: I'm
2: no dummy.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that was... um... You know, it's, it's, uh, to make the marriage analogy again, like, you know, would you marry John again today? Yeah. You know, would you marry Nelu again today? Yeah. Would I marry Amanda again today? Yeah. I mean, it, you just, you, you, if it's fantastic, like keep going, we want to make another baby, you know, let's do it. You know, that's, that's impractical to imagine that it's constant and it's, and it's forever, but to come back together at some point. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I'd be fun. Yeah. yeah. It wouldn't be too soon.
2: Yeah. Well, this has been such an incredible ride with this show. And I'm so happy that, you know, the... I'm not happy that COVID happened, but what I loved is like so many mm-hmm. other people, you know, so many people discovered the show again. Oh, I've been meaning, I've been meaning to watch it, I've been meaning to watch it. And then they actually had the time to sink their teeth into it. And the numbers are insane. I think the first, the first part of the season four hundred million hours we've watched. <laughs> just, <laughs> it's just incredible. It just keeps going up. So again, congratulations. And I thank you for uh, just creating such great entertainment. It was amazing. I'm sad to see it thank go, you, but deeply yeah. satisfied with how it ended.
1: I'm so glad oh, I'm so. like, you're, you're, you're literally the first feedback we've gotten. So uh, thank you. It's that's, that means a Oh lot. Yeah. Yeah, yeah,
2: exactly.
0: It's, it's, it's helpful for us to be able to sit and, and talk about it. We don't get really a chance to talk about it. So thanks for giving us that opportunity. It's helpful with the closure.
2: Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. And that that last little look on Ruth's face, I loved it. It was great. Beautifully directed, yeah. Jason. Kudos again for that. All right, gentlemen, thank you so much. I look forward to seeing you. Chris, I really want to meet you in person at some point. I know. I yes. look forward to that yes. moment. Absolutely, same. same. And um, Jason, I hope to see you soon. The final season of Ozark is streaming now on Netflix. Thanks so much for joining me. I'm Krista Smith, your host and creator of the show. Skip Intro is produced and edited by Isabel Arricchio and engineered by Dave Corwin. Special thanks to our coordinator, Alyssa Hillman. Please subscribe, rate, and review Skip Intro wherever you've been listening. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Krista Smith. If you enjoy the podcast, please go to netflixq.com for more. That's Netflix ecom